My friends, welcome to the Naked Leadership Podcast, the very, very first episode where I introduce you to my friends and mentors, Dan Tacchini and Adrian Kaler. We have a fantastic conversation about their backgrounds, their experience, some of their doubts as they got into leadership um, and leadership training and coaching. Just so much good stuff here. That's enough from me. Let's get into it. Here we go. Should we call you experts on this? What, what oh, do we call please, you? Oh. <laughs> we're we're in the Naked Leadership Podcast, where, naked, where leaders expose themselves and don't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and we're experts at that for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that's your introduction to Dan. So uh, <laughs> you can tell this is going to be this is going to be a fun podcast. And you know, this is a place where we are committed to having transparent and honest conversations about leadership. There's a lot of conversations that happen inside the head of leaders that they're just not having, and and they don't have a place to have out loud. Uh, with somebody else who understands what they're going through, who understands what they are uh, up against, the challenges of leadership, but also the vulnerability of leadership. And we wanted to have a podcast or a conversation that was different than anything else that anybody's having about leadership. We're going to expose a lot of uh, sore spots, but we're also going to give a lot of encouragement um, and because of the nature of the position, it's hard to get leaders to talk about what it's like to lead because historically leaders were supposed to be strong and they were supposed to be, you know, this nothing that's something that doesn't show any vulnerability um, and, uh, and, and is looked up to in that way. And so this podcast is going to be completely surrounded uh, or, or um, is going to be completely full of conversations that people just aren't having yet. And this is the space to have them. Um, so we're going to talk, you know, this, this podcast is going to be a lot of an introduction. This episode is going to be a lot of introduction to Dan and Adrian. Also what our intentions are with this podcast and the conversations that we want to have the next episode I want you to come back for because we're going to talk about what we mean by the word leader and language is something that's really interesting um, the words we choose and the words we use are important and you're going to see <laughs> that throughout this conversation throughout this journey of, of the Naked Leadership podcast um, I'm going to get corrected a lot is corrected the right word <laughs> Shoot, I mean, corrected would assume we have the right answer. I, I think right, more, right. it's more like uh, we're going to, why not just contribute to what we're thinking so people can think around it, we can explore it, because most of the stuff around leadership is, it's multifaceted, right? So there could be multiple def definitions and multiple expressions of leadership. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna we're, we'll have an opportunity to explore my language. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of you, ours too. Yes. Well, and most of the leadership stuff out there is so well canned and packaged because yes. because marketing companies have taken it over and have made it for the masses. And and leadership is more complex than we talk about. So it's like sometimes just the anytime anybody's talking about something like some kind of generalized language, we ought to wonder what else is also true about it. So sometimes it's fun to play with language and goof off a bit. 
Yeah, so we're going to play with the, the word leadership or leader next episode. And I'm really looking forward to that because I think it's really important that we obviously lay some groundwork and some definition of what we're talking about throughout this, this journey and this podcast. Um, so without further ado, I, wanna, I want to introduce you to Dan and Adrian. I'm actually going to let them introduce themselves through a series of questions. I think that will be much more interesting than me giving some bio. Uh, the bios are impressive. And, uh, you know, working with uh, category leaders, vertical leaders uh, in, in every industry through a history of what, oh, a combined experience of over 30 years now, over 40 years. What is, what's the combined experience here, gentlemen? Well, I've got 35 at least. And uh, well, how about you, Aid? About 15? Yeah, yeah well, I've got, I mean, uh, in this specific uh, type of coaching, I've got like 10 years experience and, but before okay. lots of other types of uh, leadership engagement. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 45 years of experience sitting here working with leaders and um, used to and, and still loving having conversations that leaders don't really often get to have. And, uh, and so I'm excited, you know, it was my, it was my personal um, mission to get this conversation out there on a wider scale and to reach more people uh, because it's so important. And I've loved having and being in this conversation. So uh, whoever wants to jump in first, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, so I'm Adrian Kaler. Um, I've been in this work, this specific type of work for 10 years. I've been in, uh, haunted by leadership since I can remember. Um, in the sense that, you know, uh, uh, from even since when I was a kid, uh, it was uncomfortable for me to be in an aimless ship or to be in any, even I'm, I'm just hearkening back to recess on like, hey, we got 25 minutes. How are we going to use this time? That's where my head was uh, back, in, back in grade school. So I don't know, maybe weird, maybe, or anxious or whatever. Uh, but I've always been in this kind of leadership domain and... Um, I've found a lot of peace and direction and purpose in being a leader and becoming a leader. So uh, by route of, about how to get here, you know, I've always been on the front lines in many different industries. So um, started out by being in the medical world and, and helping in high intensity situations and intensive care type or uh, scenarios, helping families and people make it and survive and be on the front lines with them and uh, move quickly into more of a uh, uh, service oriented where I was taking teams overseas to, be, to deal with the disaster relief situations and mobilizing leaders throughout Los Angeles um, to go make a difference in the world, but helping to inspire people and find something that mattered for their own life and find some kind of compass for their internal world as well. As I worked in the nonprofit sector in the church world, I really enjoyed that work. Um, and then from that, um, was invited to help craft a private foundation. So took a gentleman around the world, helping him get clear about what, he, what mattered most to him and then create the opportunity uh, to give a lot of money away and make a difference with a lot of people. And so built a staff and built a board and, and uh, built that mission and then sent it off. And then I left that um, to get involved in this work. And through that, that's where I met this guy, Dan Tacchini. So, and he and I hit it off right away. Uh, he came in and, and brought his expertise into that mission of that, of that foundation we were running. 
which was in the prison system. So I got, I got to see, um, I got to see this kind of work really in the trenches, working with some guys in a very uh, hard situation, coming from some challenging backgrounds, make, making some uh, not desirable choices, doing a lot of damage, and how do you recover a life? Um, and so I, then this, this type of work, this type of uh, exploration on leadership and how, pe- how you see the world and how you engage the world was something beyond anything I'd experienced before. And before that, I was teaching leadership around the world, leadership concepts, but there was a, there was a depth here in this exploration that was really compelling to me, both from uh, I saw how it could affect others and just how it could affect me. Um, and I needed the work. I needed uh, to really have a process by which I could continue to ground myself in this chaotic world and even in myself and un- unlock my own mysteries of who I was and why am I here and what matters to me. And so uh, that's how I got trained by Dan. Uh, he was a mentor of mine, became a quickly a best friend of mine and now a partner of mine. And uh, we've been uh, in this world working with top tier leaders since then. So um, we're going to get to hear a couple of prison stories, right, gentlemen? Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of great work done in prisons. Adrian, when you say you're haunted, you were, you know, from the beginning, you've been haunted by leadership. Why do you, why do you use that word haunted? I think that's, that's very relatable. Scary, that's why. He's a scary dude. <laughs> well, turns those, turns those laser beams on you, man. Watch out. Yes. Uh, haunted by leadership. I mean... I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just, I wake up in the morning concerned. I don't ask myself to be concerned. I, I mean, my brain just wakes up and is wondering about things and wondering how things should be. And I'm in a conversation. I'm at an, let's say I'm like, I'm, I'm at an event and I'm, and I'm angsty and I'm, I'm wanting to make it matter. Um, and to make, and you know, I mean, I bothered my, uh, my family when I was a youngster, cause I was the, you know, I, I was just bothered. I, I, I wanted to talk about how things worked and how friendships work. And, and, and a lot of that was internal for me and some of that was external for me. So haunted, haunted by leadership because, you know, it's like I, I got early, nobody else is going to lead, is going to lead me the way I need to lead myself. Um, and I didn't have the tools to do that necessarily. So it was like, okay, you got to get out there and take initiative, although you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how it's going to work and it's full of fear and uncertainty and all such, but I got to jump. So, you know, in, in the uncertainty of life, it's just like, I got to go. I got, you know, I got to make a decision here. So I guess kind of like that. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. If that just, um, yeah, I loved it. I, I love the vision, the, the visual that that brings me of like, it's there when you go to bed and it's there when you wake up and it's, yeah. it, that's not of choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's, um, I was just talking with a, with a, a mentee this morning and talking about something that he's up to. And I said, Hey, uh, everybody does it this way. And then you get to decide, bro, if you want to be normal or not. Hmm. And, you know, I've just had such an aversion as fear really of being normal, of just being inside the middle of the pack. That's just been like fading into nothingness, uh, you know, or just being like everybody else just seemed to me for whatever reason, seemed to me like I was missing out or going to miss out on life um, or not count or whatever, which is not necessarily a good thing. I mean, that's why it's a little bit of a haunting. It's just like, you know, always, you know, having a deep desire to grow, 
learn, expand. Um, and on some ways, like to be seen, to be known, to um, be followed, to be respected, like those things also, you know, are underneath all that, which is, you know, maybe like an ego side of it as well. Um, you know, but just to, to make it matter, you know, I, I just didn't want to be normal. Yeah. I think that's very relatable to pretty much any of us that have aspired to leadership or had that haunting of leadership of it just always being there and in almost in an angsty way of like, just as you described, I, I'm not going to, if I don't take action now, every minute of my life, if I don't take action, I'm going to not matter. <laughs> I'm going to not make the difference that I think I'm supposed to make, which can be a very unhealthy way to live. <laughs> yeah. A little high blood pressure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Dan, um, we've, we've blocked out about an hour and a half for you to tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's easy. I, I was born, you know, yeah, I was the first, of the, you know, the first, the oldest. And uh, I'm a little different than Adrian. I always resisted it because, you know, I was always being like, what are you going to do with your brothers and sisters? Or, uh, and my mom was, my mom was at an early age, um, a manic depressive schizophrenic. So I found myself in front of leading, you know, with my, cause my dad was gone all the time and working with my brothers and sisters. And, and so I've always found leadership to be something a bit, uh, feeling a bit, daunted by it, you know, a daunting experience. Like, do I really want to do this? But like what Adrian was talking about, I've, I've always been very autonomous. I want my autonomy. And I, and I, I suppose that came out of my past somehow and how I related to it. And so I, I noticed that as I, as I got older and I was kept, kept being told I was a natural leader, which always made me leery. Like, what are they setting me up for? Like, you know, I, if they just want somebody to go into the, man, line, uh, the, the land mine field there, the minefield before everybody else. And then when he gets blown up, they know which way to go. So was, it's, I've always had that kind of reticence, like, um, and it, for me. And, but, but out of necessity, I think out of my own autonomy, and I, the people tended to follow. And I, use, I have resisted the responsibilities of that mainly because I think down deep, I don't feel uh, qualified, uh, you know, a lot of times. And, you know, this crazy thing about leadership, I, it's really, a lot of it isn't about qualification. It's just about courage, a lot of it. And so I had plenty of that, even to the point of uh, uh, hubris. And I've always been quite clear and confident in myself, which often has taken the form of arrogance when I'm afraid, but also can come across as arrogant even when I'm confident. And I think that's also attractive to people when you go into something that's, that's scary or unknown, that's challenging, and you've never been there before, to see somebody who's confident standing in it really does something, kind of brings your confidence up. And so I think I've always been able to do that. I know um, without thinking about it. And I think that's what people refer to when they say you're a natural leader. Um, and a lot of times I'm, I'm confident about what I can get done, not because I'm skilled, but because I'm tenacious. I know I'll stick with it until it turns out. Right. And that could be, a, you know, can, like, okay, so what we failed, let's, let's go again. And um, 
that that's been a, a benefit for me. And then as I, I got older, I, uh, I worked for an organization called LifeSpring many years ago, uh, human potential movement, like landmark and those trainings. I was a young man. And, um, you know, I, I've had the pleasure of having some great leaders in my life, like a guy named John Hanley. And, uh, you know, when I, in, I, I had a pastor, J.R. Young, uh, Dallas Willard is a, was a mentor. These are men that, you know, I had the privilege of having speak into my life. I think it really helped me get some language around both my gift and my, uh, my, my, my tendencies to my faults, if you will, my, the, the issues that I come up against, like, a, you know, getting out there and, and if something doesn't work, I could have a tendency to just go on ahead and take care of myself and leave people behind that kind of thing. Seeing that and learning how to catch that um, has been very beneficial and it's great leaders in my life. I think men that, and women um, that this gal, Kelly Poulos, I had a pleasure of working with at LifeSpring and she just was tremendous about opening up uh, ways of listening and being with people that I was neglecting or afraid of, of the vulnerability of. And she really, she helped me see, and my wife has helped me see that vulnerability really is a strength and, and that your weaknesses um, can be turned into strengths if you're willing to, to hold in and keep your eye on the ball, if you will, keep your eye on what's coming. So I, you know, I've had some real success that way. It's been wonderful. I think, a great leader successful because he builds great teams. And I've been able to have the privilege of working with some fantastic people like Adrian. Um, and it's an honor to, you know, it's sometimes I'll sit and listen to Adrian and go, how did I get hooked up with this guy? He's amazing. You know, I mean, like my dad, my dad used to have this saying, you know who you are by the people who are attracted to you. So, you know, pay attention to that. And <laughs> so that that's been the case. And I think I've, you know, I've had the privilege of walking with some really interesting and powerful people, uh, men and women who are both, if you will, confident and at the same time, humble in the sense that they're willing to be corrected because something's more important than just them, right? Their family, their business, their team, you know, something that they, a difference they, they're committed to making. And that willingness to come out from behind themselves, you know, behind from, come out from behind who they think they should be or who others think they should be. It was interesting. Adrian used the word normal. And I, I like this. I feel like it takes courage to be normal, but not the kind of normal Adrian was talking about the normal, like be yourself, like be the, have an opinion, take a stand, take your cut, you know, learn from what worked and what didn't work. And then, you know, when you feel that pit in your stomach, like you don't think you can do it, then get up and, you know, get after it again. Don't, if it, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is just keep making what you think is important. Make it important. Keep me because it brings such meaning to life, right? What are you aiming at? And I think that's probably the biggest thing is how, for me in the work that we do, uh, I've had the privilege of training a lot of different people in, in the consulting industry and, you know, different um, disciplines and, and really their willingness to give themselves to something that really mattered and presence that take the risk of 
failing for the possibility of what it means to them to see it happen, even that failure is more meaningful than not going at all. And that's probably the most inspirational thing for me is to see somebody keep doing that. Right. And, and so that's, that's been my, my background is in, in that experience. Right. And I've had the privilege of working, in, leading in sports and leading in business and leading in ministry or, you know, you know, you know, out there making a difference like Adrian was talking about. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of uh, social type impact work. And um, that's how I met Adrian. In fact, he hired me to work with a, a, a nonprofit that he was leading and we led together. We really had a great time together. That's where we really connected. At one point he was, we were talking and he was like, man, I, I think I got to leave. It's time done here. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just, I looked at him, I said, you ought to be coaching or consulting, man, you, you, you are, you kill it in the first year. So that's how we met. And that's when he and I got a chance to work together on just developing his own coaching practice. And then eventually uh, this consulting firm that we have. So that's kind of, my story. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that is, uh, I'll just say this, that is scratching the surface. That's not even scratching the surface of Dan Tahini. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it, we, could, we could create a podcast alone just on Dan's life story. So, a lot of that's going to unfold in this podcast that I'm very, very excited about. I've known Dan for a little while now. Adrian has known Dan for a long time now. And both of us have had conversations where we have said, man, every time we're with Dan, we hear another story that we have never heard before. <laughs> like how many, how many lives have you lived, man? And, and if you, by the sound of his voice, if you feel like you're listening to an Italian mobster, you are. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to do any podcasts without Adrian. <laughs> no, I, I just, uh, that, that literally, I mean, that's just a little taste of what we're going to get from Dan. Dan, one of the things that really stuck out to me as you talked about that was the word courage. It came up so many times just in, in that piece that you just did. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong, but in this podcast, we're going to talk probably mostly about courage over skills or experience or resume or anything like that. Courage is just this underlining uh, theme of leadership that you and Adrian talk about so much. Yeah. I think if you're going to lead, that's definitely going to be, that's going to be at the heart of it because really leading means to go into new territory, right? And yeah. to follow your interest. And the minute you have an interest, it's going to lead you outside of your comfort zone or outside of what's familiar. And the minute it does that, it takes courage to take that step because the minute you step out of what you know, you're in the territory of what you don't have a clue about. And, and most likely you're going in the wrong damn direction. Right? Yeah. It's like you, you got to go off on the wrong damn direction to see, Oh, stop over here. I ought to be going that direction. So then you, you correct and usually you overcorrect and you find yourself on way on the other side of it and you go back and forth. And pretty soon the overcorrections get smaller and smaller and you happen to find yourself right there, you know, on top of your goal. If you had the character and courage to get up and go again and again and again, right? Like that. 
Yeah, I think um, we could fill our tool belt, tool belt with skills and experience. But just like you said, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what's next. And we're going to find ourselves as leaders, we'll find ourselves in positions where we've never been up against this before. We've never experienced this before. And those skills, that preparation that I did is helpful, but it's not yeah. the answer. And so that's where the courage and that's where the vulnerability comes in um, for us to be able to explore these new experiences, right? Oh, yeah. I, I was listening to Simon Sinek the other day. I love what he says. You know, he, he had this little, I think it was a quote or an ad on LinkedIn, and, and I just zoomed by and went, oh, that's interesting. He says, you know, if you get offered that position, it, oh, it was Gary Vaynerchuk. It was either one of the two. If you get offered that position that you, you, you don't really know how to do it, take it anyway. Yeah. Get that offer of a lifetime, take it and figure it out when you get there. That's courage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You didn't get the offer. You think about it. They didn't offer it to you for nothing. They must have seen something. Right. And if you, if it really clicks in there, if it really moves you, hell, take the stand, go for it. Right. Figure it out on the way. Yeah. Taking the position is courageous, but then staying in it. Yeah. Right. The learning curve. Or, courageous to learn what you need to learn to be in the position. I love that. So let's talk resume. Uh, I think it's important that we add some legitimacy to our conversation. <laughs> oh. uh, so talk about um, who are some of the clients you, you, you guys have worked with and um, what results have, have you been able to create with them? Well, I mean, I, I really, was privileged in the nineties. Uh, somebody came through one of my trainings. I had a training company and what we did was leadership trainings, public leadership trainings, negotiation and sales trainings. And um, this gal came through who was the HR director at uh, ESPN. And she uh, was very generous and brought me in, basically allowed me to answer an RFP and, around uh, restructuring and working with them in their finance department. And I was privileged enough to, you know, to have that opportunity and I, I won the contract. And so that, that got me into ESPN and uh, did a number of different types of work there, worked with their sales department quite a bit, you know, worked, did some negotiations between departments and between um, uh I guess other departments in at Disney and so on like that, like working together. And in doing that, I created a name for myself and pretty soon Disney took me on and I did some work there and developed a sales negotiation training at the Disney. Um, they asked me to do it at the Disney university, which I was in, in Orlando. And so for about five years off and on during the year, I'd go in and teach sections of that and work with executives on that and picked up some coaching clients like that. And, um, and then, uh, you know, I've, we've had a chance, uh, we, I started a consulting firm called culture ROI with a, a partner, my wife and a, uh, another partner, Jean Marie jobs and some other trainers that we had on board. And we had the privilege of working with interstate batteries, executive team for a long time. And we got, we were able to work with some of the top sales teams at Microsoft, both on the East and West coast with some of their general managers. They have, they had 12 general managers at this time. And, and um, we were, we landed a fairly lucrative contract there and did quite a bit of work there. Um, you know, so 
been around a lot. We have currently, we're working with a lot of name brands. You want to talk about them, Adrian, a little bit, who we're working with? I got to work with Adrian Kaler. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, we work together. That, that to this day is one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. We created a program uh, in the 501c3 that, that um, Adrian was leading that, that is still going on at Soledad. Uh, and what we did is we went in and worked with, with uh, the lifers that had, that had, you know, earned their way into leadership positions in the prison. And we, we basically trained them to be change agents or leaders in the prison. Right. And when you, and Dan, when you say lifers, it's important to life sentence. These are, yeah, they have a life sentence and these are people who have a life sentence in prison. That's right. You know, they might have 25 to life or 50, 20 to life or whatever. Um, and what we did is worked with them on about 20 of them, 25 of them over a two year period and create and train them to do some of the trainings we do and to work and coach people, their inmates, they wanted to move and integrate back into society, prepare themselves and use prison as if you will, a, you know, a, a jumping spot for their life, for their reentry. And the program just went really well. And we've got some great stories, prison stories there, but they, after we did that, they can, we trained them and they just kept doing trainings. Like almost every week they would, there's many of them and they would do different trainings during the week. And there was, so, it actually made it through like five different wardens. They're still doing it. I understand this 10 years later. And um, I've had other wardens from prisons call us. And we've gone in to Kern Valley just recently uh, as an associate warden call in and say, Hey, we heard from, guys over at Soledad that this was a great program. He's still doing it. And gosh, we hadn't done it for years. And we said, sure, I come in. So we just recently in August did a great training over there. It's kind of starting up there, but that's a nonprofit work that we do, but very rewarding. And the 25 folk guys that we worked with in prison have all gotten out and are now gainfully employed. Many of them working in, you know, with other guys coming out of prison and training and working with them in organizations that are all about their reentry and they're bringing the work that we did to them. And so it's, it's something I'm really proud of. And, and it's one of the best things I've ever done. One of the things I've enjoyed the most, but Adrian, why don't you talk about some of the clients? Yeah. Well, I, I, I sometimes joke with clients and say, you know, my first client was a murderer so I can handle you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was my first foray in was getting involved in this specific type of coaching work. I mean, I've been doing leadership mentoring and stuff my whole life, um, just innately. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, the, the, my first foray in this type specific type was working with lifers in a room locked in. I can't leave the room, so you better handle the room. Um, so love that work. I mean, when I, when I first got started, uh, you know, af after going through training, you know, you just kind of jump out. I never, I was at zero interest in going and joining any kind of company that was pre-established. So I wanted to go out on my own and see what I could build and, and connect with. And so I just started in my own. Oh, so I, you know, you, and to think about it, you were a nurse, right? I mean, you were, so coming out into the business world was a big jump for you, right? Sure. Well, yeah, there've been a couple steps before that. I mean, I've been, yeah, I was like, you know, pre-med in college and then decided to go into the nursing world and the intensive care nursing world. Um, cause I like things a little intense. I like the high stakes poker game. Um, 
And then, yeah, and then I'd worked in the nonprofit, the nonprofit sector and worked with a guy that I really respected um, named Erwin McManus, who's had, had, you know, world-renowned author, um, change agent, and uh, very innovative in the spiritual, uh, the Christian context. So he was, he was very well-known and people wanted to hear him. And then he didn't want to travel as much, so they sent out punks like me. So I'm like 25 years old traveling the world speaking about leadership. Um, and that was the next step. And then our work together, Dan. So I, it had been quite, yeah, I'd never, I had, uh, you know, kind of to your point earlier, it's like, I just, and what I was thinking was this is like leaders just choose themselves at the end of the day, you know, we don't wait to get picked. We just pick ourselves. And, uh, so when I had gone through this coaches Academy while I was the executive director of this multimillion dollar foundation, just to be better at that role. And then I jumped out and like, what do I want to do next? And I thought, well, I think, you know, the leadership context fits me the most. I mean, I'm a, uh, you know, historically been pretty intense, been pretty serious guy, want to get something done. Um, and uh, then found that these conversations were the right environment for me to be fully me. Um, so jumped out and just started coaching folks that were anybody that would, you know, essentially had money and a pulse. Uh, I would coach them. I, w- I was one of those people with money and a pulse. Were you one of the first ones <laughs> yeah. you coached? Were, were you like his experiment when he came through Anything. 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. yep, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I think you were, I think you were my third client. Mm-hmm. Business partner, my third, third contract ever. Um, and so that's where it started. It started with just, just the network and people I knew and I knew Chad, knew Chad via mutual friend. And we started working together. And then, you know, uh, one of the big moments for me as I, as I jumped in was I was on, I was on a phone call with an old mentor of mine um, who was the dean of students at, uh, when I was at my, uh, in the undergrad. And he had taken a president position uh, at a university in the Midwest. And uh, we had having kind of our annual uh, check-in type conversation. But this conversation went longer than normal. And, uh, I, and we were, we were talking, he was on his way somewhere. And all of a sudden I'm like, aren't you there where you're headed yet? And he's like, no, I pulled over a long time ago. I've been taking notes. And, uh, and anyway, it was just, he, he became one of my clients then as well. So it was very interesting. And I, 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 so I've been working with him and his senior leadership team for the last five years now. Um, so kind of naturally had that knack for this thing. Um, and I liked, liked work. So I, I always followed working with people I wanted to work with. I never, I never went and said, Hey, I want to coach that guy from a distance. I just, I, I wanted to work with, with people that I found compelling. I mean, smart people that were committed to some kind of invention. Um, people that wanted to have an honest, robust conversation. Uh, people that were doing something that I found that was interesting and worthwhile. And then I just followed all of, I mean, I didn't have a website for the first six years. Um, and that was on purpose because I wanted to follow the relationships. And so that ended up getting me involved in some really fun organizations, you know, uh, like Nike was one of the, uh, getting to coach one of the top marketing leaders in Nike and their, uh, New York office. Uh, that was quite an honor to get to come into that, um, very fast paced, very driven culture and realize that even though I'd never had a corporate job and never taken a business course in my life, I could help in this context, because uh, 
helping people figure out the types of conversations, the type of relationships that can produce results is something that was a passion of mine and I'm good at. So, and helping, you know, people be willing to talk about what's happening in the room that, um, I mean, early I used to say, like the conversations we're not having are probably the ones that are running the organization. So being, will, being, being able, and it's kind of a fusion for me, right? So um, there's two, two very strong parts of me. I'm a lover. I love people dearly. It's part of why I was up for doing like the, the nursing work and, and, and listening to people for a long time and being with people and suffering. Like I, I care deeply about people. So care is a big part of my life and like championing people is a big part of my life and challenge. So it's, so that's for me, what worked about, about coaching is like, Hey, if you love people really well and they get it, then there, you have the space to be able to say things to them that nobody else has permission to say in their lives. And that ended up creating a huge pop. And then that's how my work got created is like that there's, there's people you know, uh, like my client at Nike, she's introduced me to, I don't know, 40 people probably over the last four years, just because when she's talking about her life and what's been working, she says, oh, you got to, you know, and anytime somebody's up against something tough, she's like, oh, you need to talk to Adrian. And then here comes an email and connecting us. So that's moved into lots of big brands and multi in the, in the fashion industry. And that's Nike was a, a client of ours and then other brands in the fashion industry. And now in the higher education side of things and now in the techno technology world and multiple high impact leaders that multiple, I mean, all the time I sit and say, wow, I can't believe I get to talk to this, this, this client. Um, <laughs> wow. What are they talking to me for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. exactly. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, I used to not talk about my resume scared to death. Somebody would look at my LinkedIn to see that I hadn't gone to Wharton. I didn't have an MBA that I didn't, you know, go to some, have some kind of pedigree, which a lot of people, I think, when they, when they think about finding some kind of advisor or whatever they might think of as a coach, they think, oh, some type of experience, uh, if this person's got some type of experience, they can help me. And so I didn't want to talk about that. I was a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know if shamed might be or ashamed or embarrassed or whatever, it was a little bit of the conversation there. And then I realized, no, um, I've also... I mean, I've been on the front lines, life and death situations and help people learn how to navigate the complexity mm -hmm. of like literally physical life and death, but beyond that, like their own self. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't know a human that if you slow down enough, life isn't like unforgivingly complex, like Lamont says. So, uh, and we don't, I mean, I'm familiar with that type of suffering. I mean, that's like when I was 12, it's like, man, life got complex quickly that, and I couldn't escape it. And so helping others navigate that complexity and really find themselves over and over again. Um, and especially when they get involved in top organizations, the pace, the, the uh, conflicting intentions, the political nature of things. Uh, it's, there's so many draws to like pull people out of themselves and they lose themselves and they end up hating their work and hating their life and hate, you know, but they don't talk about it. And you know, that's what was compelling to me because I can connect to that. I can connect yeah. To that experience. Yeah. When, when people ask me what we do and, and I, we haven't even mentioned it up to this point, that we, we, the, the, the consulting firm that Dan and Adrian own is take new ground. I'm their communication, their VP of communications. When people ask me what we do, I tell them 
We are masters at being curious and asking questions you haven't thought to ask yourself. And so, Adrian, as you talk about this resume and this experience, like people, you were afraid people were going to expect you to have a resume of all this leadership experience in the corporate world. And really, it's not that experience. It wouldn't be that experience that makes us effective at our work. It's our ability to ask questions and remain curious. And yeah, the really presence that, right? Not just, it's like, there's a, the way of being in that is powerful. Like Adrian was saying, without that underlying care and concern for the other person, then the questions can come off as um, militaristic or, you know, self-serving or self-protecting, you know, there's nothing more, I think to me, more causes distrust in me when I find somebody who's really cavalier and I have been that, maybe I'm just, you know, cavalier with, Hey, look, you know, I'm here to save the day or I'm here to expose you to the world. Right. And so I think that's why the leaders tend to be pretty cautious because so many people get a kick out of taking them down or, you know, exposing them because they themselves feel vulnerable around a leader. I, I remember the first time, I was sitting in the office of John, John Hanley's office when I was a young man and I had gone to work for this company and I started sweating. You know, I was really nervous and I couldn't figure out why, but you know, it's like I had this made up this thing that he, you know, he was right to the point, always felt very, at first I got very comfortable with it, but if, you know, at the end, you know, as I got to know him, but he just, you know, he went right after what we weren't talking about. He went right after what we were afraid of because he knew that whatever we were afraid of, that would be the one thing we probably had to go to, right? It's the old Joseph Campbell thing where, you know, the thing you're look, you want the most, the treasure you desire the most is in the cave you don't want to go into. Well, this guy had a, you know, he had a miner's hat on every day and he's like looking around the cave. So I remember sitting in there sweating, going, oh, please don't, don't look in here. <laughs> and that's exactly where he was going and then if you resist it that's like a that's like a big red flag here he comes <laughs> so I, I i got used to like owning up quickly yeah. to where you know like where i was as much as i could and and you know or if i get if that gets exposed to surrender and take a look right yeah but i i think some of our best clients are people that we've trained. I think we've had, I think the, to me, the thing that's most for me uh, credible about or differentiates us is I, I can think of 40 high six figure income coaches and seven and eight figure businesses that have, we've had the privilege of starting with people or, you know, uh, birthing in our either coaches Academy or trainer Academy, or, you know, we've been, called in to support people in doing that, establish a business. And that, that to me is very, to me, that's the best credibility that we're able to pass this in on to people and they can go out and do what they want with it. You know? Yeah, that's great. So let's, um, let's, let's talk about language. I mentioned early on in this episode, um, the attention that, both of you pay to language. And, and I was introduced into this world of paying close attention to the language that I used when I hired Adrian to consult me on my business. Uh, with me and my business partner, we were in 
a, a rough spot together. <laughs> there was a lot of things we weren't saying to each other. There was a lot of things we weren't admitting to ourselves um, about our business, about our partnership, um, and about ourselves. And one of the very first things that Adrian worked on with us was our language, the language that we used both together with our employees, with ourselves. And I was shocked. I mean, it, it was so, uh, it, it was almost task number one. Hey, let's, let's look at the language you are using. Um, so talk to me about why language and words that we use are so important. Why do you, why do you pay so much attention to that with clients that you're working with? Well, I mean, if I I'll jump in here, I, I, the work of organizational change management, you can, that's a very fancy um, yeah, yeah. consultant term that I language. Yeah. Like, it's clear organizational, you know, organizations changing or in, individuals changing in organizations, change organizations, but I principally change, you know, if you think about it, when, language is what we construct our conversations with, right? It's like, it's our way of being in the conversation. It's the words we use. It's the tone. It's all that. And conversations, if you think about it, a culture is nothing but relationships put together, people relating together. And those relationships, the quality of those relationships is, is rooted or grounded in the conversations that they're having and the conversations that they're having the words that they use, the labels that they exchange, et cetera, are revealing about, you know, where there are, where they are in relationship to each other and what they're doing. And so by chunking it down into the language, we can <clears throat> connect with, look at their view and all the neuroscience on it says that, you know, basically, Hey, look, you know, it, your language actually stimulates your nervous system. It's your software, right? You know, Helen Keller talks about how the chaos of her experience was ordered as she learned language, right? She was able to order the world she lived in because deaf, blind, and dumb, she's completely trapped in her body, right? And, and that the language, when she started getting it, opened up a world beyond her. And that's literally what I consider our work is, is not only are we helping others open up a world beyond them, but we're opening up a world beyond ourselves every time we work. You know, we're never doing the same thing because we're with somebody different who's unique. And so that's the beauty of our work is we get to open up worlds, each individual's a world or a node, if you will, out there in the universe. And there's a whole world there, right? And if, and harnessing the resources of that world to support them and bringing forth, ordering the chaos of their lives and releasing the beauty that inspires them. That's, I think, everything for us. I and mean, that's kind of a romantic view but it's how i think about it right and and it's got a real nitty-gritty part of it because to do that you've got to be willing to be vulnerable right and most most leaders i've worked with including myself and many times i see vulnerability as weakness or you know a passing inconvenience or something that we can just dismiss but or really hide. yeah or hide right hide we don't want that to happen and really it's the foundation of our being in the world, like of our effectively presencing ourselves in the world and, and to run from it 
is to resist the authentic state of our existence, right? I mean, we are vulnerable, and the, and the choice we has, have is, our, you know, how are we going to inhabit this vulnerability? How are we, who are we going to be in it? And what are we going to make of this vulnerability? Are we going to, like, there's one of two things. I'm either going to use it and make something of the world around me and myself. I can give myself and pack the world, order it. Or I'm going to spend all that imagination protecting myself from it or trying to escape the vulnerability of the fact that I am not getting out of this alive. <laughs> That's something that I love, Dan, that I learned from you is, you know, we are vulnerable. We don't have a choice in that. I, even if you just look at our physical vulnerability, Adrian, you talked about, uh, you know, being a nurse and consulting and taking care of people in physical danger uh, or of literally losing their life. We don't have a choice in that. We are vulnerable, but we spend, most of us spend so much of our lives trying to hide the fact that we're vulnerable. And, and I think uh, language, a lot of the language that I learned from Adrian and a lot of the language that I continue to learn from both of you has allowed me to be in the vulnerability. But yeah, it's like a gateway, right? Because you can use the language also to hide. You can yes. make- you know, we, we see it all the time. Cliches are, are words that could be very powerful, but have lost their meaning because the one using them is hiding behind them rather than using them to bring themselves forth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and we see a lot of that today. Like it's very, it's very popular right now to use, uh, inspired language, but a lot of people are still hiding their vulnerability behind that. Right. And it's, and it's becoming, it's like, it's becoming so commonplace that it's printed on t-shirts. Now you can't go anywhere without, you know, a teaching a t-shirt that says be kind or good vibes only, or, you know, that's those sort of cliches, which can be uh, meaningful when, when used sincerely and authentically, but, but we're using that language to hide. Yeah, I was talking. <clears throat> I was talking with a guy last night, and we're talking about this venture he wants that uh, he he as he talks about. He says he'd like to be doing these things, multiple ventures versus what he's doing now. Very successful guy, also wants to be doing all these other things. Um, and when he talked about what he really wanted, uh, immediately went to a lot of the things about why he can't do it or why the things that are in his way, the obstacles. And I just said to him at some point, I said, those sound like very worn out stories. <laughs> You're so fun. To- Hi, I'm Adrian. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, this, you know this, was at a, this was at a dinner party. But I thought I'd give you my opinion. <laughs> it was a room of, it was a room of eight. Um, but the, you know, but when I said that he actually smiled because he knew it was true that he uh, had, I mean, uh, to the point, I mean, our stories about why we can't do or why things are the way they are. Sometimes they're worn out stories and it's helpful for me to know when I'm living in an ancient story, mm-hmm. um, an ancient in the sense that like, you know, reasons why we can't reasons why we ought to preserve ourselves reasons why reasons why all this kind of navel gazing type yeah, stuff. like let's preserve ourselves like we're going to get out of this alive and there's going to be something left over right? yeah like some of these are really i mean ancient like from the beginning of time as soon as humans started putting language to their experience they came up with reasons why they can't do things or reasons why you know things are the way they are or why our complaints are the only option in town 
Um, that's, that is ancient, but also even just for us, like, you know, even the complaints about myself or what's wrong with me or, you know, uh, why I can't. And, you know, we've got a lot of well-rehearsed, uh, worn out stories that at some point, I mean, I know when I'm bored with my own BS, man, I'm just bored. I'm, you know, it's like, shit, I wish, you know, and I give up my aliveness, uh, whenever I just keep using an old line keep using yeah. it in mind. So it's like language. I mean, when I'm, when I'm listening to folks, I'm, I'm, I am, I warn them. I'm, I, I usually, <laughs> he's I, got a little sign around his neck. A little sign. When I'm Don't talking talk to the dog. When I, well, what I say to new clients is I say, Hey, I'm going to believe in you in ways that nobody else has believed in you. So get ready for that. Cause that's a problem. Uh, it could be a problem because I'm really going to believe in you. So, um, but to, uh, the problem with, with, I guess what comes with that is because I'm going to believe in you, it means I'm also required not to believe you all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to have an argument. I tell people, well, we're going to have an argument yeah. and I'm going to be arguing. Here's how it's going to look. I promise you, you're going to be arguing for why you can't. And I'm going to be arguing and why you can. The question is, who do you want to win that? Because you're the only one who can decide that. I can't beat you. You have to decide you're willing to in you're willing to be that's worth losing that argument's worth losing that's right yeah yeah you know i i think of myself though i deny my vulnerability or cover it up because you know i want to close my heart off i, I don't want to feel what i'm involved with you know because i know when i my mother was really ill and ill meaning psychotically she was psychotic at, at times and going in to see her, I remember thinking, you know, consciously making the choice because she could tune in. She knew if you were bullshitting her, basically, if you were just, you know, covering up. And I remember thinking to myself, I so don't want her to disappear on me. I'm just going to be very honest with her. Whatever came up, she didn't care. Even if it was like, hey, back off, mom, you know, or whatever, you know, just get in her face. As long as it was real, she could tell and she would be okay. She'd get the smile on her face. <laughs> maybe maybe she wasn't crazy. Maybe we were. You know, I but some of the time my dad and I used to laugh. Maybe we're the crazy ones, right? But anyway, that that I would, you know, the minute I start closing myself off, I am like that and protecting myself. I actually close myself off from connecting with other struggles, which means that I lose my relevance in their life. Now I become a cliche. And um, I start to refuse help that I need in every turn of my life. I can't receive it because I'm, I'm not willing to be vulnerable to the fact that I need it. And um, if you're, I, I was telling Eileen, I want to be confident always. I'm going to practice being confident about what I need uh, about that vulnerability that, that opens up. And, and like, if you just think about it, how many executives leaders don't ask for what they need because they're afraid it'll reveal their, their weaknesses or their needs, right? The, the, you know, what they, their weak spots, their Achilles. And if they're, if you're in a highly competitive culture where people are dog eat dog, then all that learning goes away. All those resources for the organization and for the team and, you know, go away. They just disappear. They, they get siloed you know, in a, in my little capsule so I can use them for my political gain. And it, it just drives me. It, it, I know for me, I get crazy, not big enough, just isn't big enough, but talking to a leader about that, 
you know, getting into those conversations, they're cautious and I don't blame them because they're so, so often it is used against you. Right. And, and um, we get isolated because you think about it, it's all, it's almost as if leadership at times, and and you, you know, leadership is the understanding of leadership is fairly ambiguous because so many organizations are so poorly led. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, just look at, our government, for example, I mean, it's another, that's a blaring, it's a blaring example. And the, the, the need to have that sense of control over people, places, and things is like one of the privileges of, or, and conceits of youth. And because with the minute you start doing that, um, you're going to come up against the reality that you're going to die. Your, your, your life is short and your time here is short. And that usually comes because you see people get, you get sick, accidents occur, you lose friends and family and loved ones. And, and so, and, and you start to lose that sense of um, immortality and, and, you know, basically people aren't connected to you. Then you get really lonely because people are, they, they're thinking you're, you're the one who's going to handle everything. Right. And so then it gets very isolated. And, and that's, I, I found to be something that happened for me over and over again. I've had that happen a number of times and it's because I'm, I want to be invincible or, you know, I think I, I've got, I think I have to be for people to respect me, but it's just the opposite. I've found that people not only respect, but the trust goes way up when I can expose my own struggles and in a way that contributes to what they're up to and what, they want to accomplish, right? You know, can connect with them. Yeah. I know that's my experience as well. I mean, I, I, I've always had more needs than I was willing to talk about and to my own demise. Um, as a leader, as a person walking around the earth, it's like, man, what, if I, if I were to say this out loud, what would happen next? And usually that, what I'm making up about what happens after I reveal my need is like bad news. So I avoid it. Um, you can hear it in language, right? That's what we, I mean. The, the language people that I use, that you use, is what we can use. That's the labels that we use. You know, when somebody, you can tell when somebody's really interested in you because they're asking you about the labels you use, right? Like, what do you mean vulnerability? <laughs> like, you know, what do you mean leadership? What does that mean to you? Like what, what do you, when you're talking about this, what do you mean? And as they break down the labels, you get more and more detailed and more exposed, more vulnerable. Then the connection starts to fire up. Yeah. So let's do some context work here. If that's okay. We're rounding the corner on this first episode of the podcast. And this is, I just, I have to reiterate how excited I am for this conversation to be ongoing and just, how, how much value I'm getting out of this just sitting here and, and that I get to be a part of it. So let me, when I say let's add some context, this is, you know, this is something we three talk about a bit is uh, context matters and we're losing a lot of context in a lot of conversations or, or disregarding context in a lot of conversations, especially in the media and, and kind of the world that we're living in today. But so I want to, I want us to be very clear about our intentions with this podcast 
and put it into a context of that is very clear that, that it can't be mistaken or can't be a mistake that we're not mistaken on our mission in this, in this podcast. And what do we want to be? And we'll end there. And, and uh, so I, I'd love to turn it over to you too. What are the intentions of the podcast and what is your invitation to leaders? Well, my intention for this podcast is very connected to my intention for why I choose to do what I do. Um, I really love people. I want my life to matter. Um, and uh, the reason I get up in the morning and do what I do is because championing people, helping people uh, have a fresh conversation with themselves that might just change their life um, is worth it. And I know, I know in my life, certain people have said certain things to me in certain moments that changed my life. Like, you know, the, the, the script shifts. I mean, that's why for me, the language is really powerful because like one idea can change everything. And one, like, you know, uh, some certain, I don't know, people call it revelation or epiphany or whatever they want to call it. Some, there's some moments in time that, uh, are, I mean, not all moments are equal. Like there's some moments in time that like everything can change for me. Some decisions we can make, you know, some kind of inspiration, some kind of, uh, moment of ownership. And I make a decision out of that and my life changes forever. And that possibility is why I do what I do. Um, and what I, what I have always longed for in life is to have people around me, leaders around me, mentors around me that could, that could put language to my own experience so that I feel found. Because, you know, my internal world was a mystery to me for so long. Um, and... And then, I, you know, when I come across people that say something that's like, that's it, that's what it's like to be me, or that's what I need to do next, or it's like I can connect in a way that I, that I don't feel as alone in myself. And I know, I mean, there's an old book put out in the 90s called Bowling Alone, and that's when they first started talking about this, like, this crowded isolation, where it's like you can be in a crowded room and feel all alone, and I don't know a leader that doesn't go through that. Uh, especially when you when you have the position of authority, there's all this pressure and uh, expectation on it. And every leader is just a human being trying to figure their world out and figure themselves out. So I have a lot of compassion uh, for leaders um, and I'm banking on them. Like leadership changes the world. Mm. Uh, you know, courageous men and women that stand up for something changes the world. And we need more of that, especially in this day and age and culture. Um, and so, so to create a conversation that is revelatory for them, help people find themselves. I mean, people talk about being lonely at the top. I know what that feels like. Um, been there and have, have reacted that really poorly in many, many ways, which we'll get into, I'm sure. And I've also reacted that in uh, really her heroic moments and we need more heroes. And part, so why I love this is, to have conversations that invite leaders to explore what's going on for them in new ways so they can own themselves in new ways. Then they can make a difference with other people in new ways that what's new and what's possible really is, is, is the most compelling thing for me. So I want this to be a deep invitation for people to um, own themselves, get language for themselves and then be able to go out in the world and be able to lead other people in much more invigorating ways instead of what, 
the human being naturally wants to do was just kind of keep holding on. Let's just do it. Now today's, you know, we'll just do a Friday. Then we'll, we'll show up to work on Monday and just go back to work. Uh, I don't want people to just to have jobs. I want people to, you know, choose vocations that fully represent themselves and give themselves fully to it. Whether if it works or doesn't work, at least they laid it all, you know, they, they laid it out all on the field and they didn't hold back. And that's, that's tough work. That's non-human work. Human beings want to play safe and survive. And I don't know, life's too short for that. So that's, so to provoke leaders into some kind of new action, new choice, uh, and then out of that, creating some new futures, that's what's compelling to me. And that's what I'm excited about as we explore these conversations and explore some of the personalities we work with uh, uh, so that people can um, have a new experience of themselves and then have a new world because of it. Yeah, Damn. what he said. What he said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, so much of my life has been around looking for my tribe. You know, yeah. meaning those that are willing to take the kinds of risks uh, over and over again. Uh, it's inspiring. It's nothing more inspiring than seeing somebody. You know, I was thinking about Kanye West. You know, and his his faux pas, his rude intervention of the Academy Awards and then his turnaround and how he owned that afterwards. I really related to that guy. Then his recent coming to faith and his will, he's like so unedited. There's just something about that kind of courage that just inspires the heck out of me. I've, I've hated this guy and I've loved him, right? <laughs> I hated, I loved him when I hated him. I was like, who has the balls to walk out there and do what he did and then turn around and ask for forgiveness and own it. Like I watched the interviews afterwards. I was just watching on YouTube the other night and, and then this whole coming to faith and the heat he's taken about that. And from both sides, you know, from the Christian audience and from the secular audience, but he's still like, Hey, well, this is where I'm at. <laughs> like, he's so it all, really creative and I, I thought to myself, you know, that's the kind, that's my tribe. That, that, that kind of marks the tribe. And, and I've often in my life wanted to be, you know, like, like I have this, I dig people like Adrian's talking about. And a lot of times I dig people because of the way they make me feel, which has very little to do with them. And that's just about me. It's selfish, right? And I've often wanted people who make, oh, I feel really good around. Like I want them to be those people and they may not want to. You know, they may not want to go out and take those kinds of risks. And then some of the people I see taking those risks, like, like Kanye, I mean, if, you know, would I have been attracted to Kanye? Probably not, but that's actually my tribe, right? You know, that's that somebody who's willing to say what they think and then stand in it and what it brings up. And I, I'm really want the podcast to be that kind of invitation because I think there's so much, to be gained from those kinds of conversations. I know watching him has been so inspirational to me. And it's really brought me up against how often I shut down my creativity because I'm afraid that the people I want in my life won't like me. Right. And, and rather than taking the risk and then loving them in their reaction, but saying what I think and standing for what I, I I'm committed to and and then and receiving the feedback. Right. And I know a lot of I, I think people ultimately want that. I think we're inspired by that kind of courageousness. I think we get 
judgmental because it starts to indict, at least it, it, he, he has indicted me. And his actions and, and, and his boldness, it, it's, I, I remember as a kid, I loved Muhammad Ali, loved him. He's, it was like, and I got in fights because guys would get mad at me because I'd root for Muhammad Ali and they're, they're rooting for Joe Frazier. And I like Joe, sure. But Muhammad was a nut, man. He was like, it just came off. He's just like, here I am. <laughs> so, I mean, I just love that guy. And, it was, and he was declaring what he was going to do and then he'd do it or he didn't and he'd get back up and go again. And he was, you know, his poetry. I just love that, that, that raw expression of humanity and the, the beauty that it can bring into the world, particularly when it, paradoxically it comes from a humility, right? I think it's a humility that drives somebody to go out and test themselves like that. And that's, I want, that's what I want, the invitation, which means to be, to summon up, right? That's what an invitation is. I, I want the invitation of this podcast to summon those kinds of conversations, the ones that we so long to have, but we're afraid to have them because of the potentiality uh, that's in them. And I'm not talking about go out there and just be foolish, but, but, you know, conversations that matter that you're ultimately going to have pretty soon, sooner or later. And I've, I've hurt myself and others by lying about that. And, and then they, they'll follow. And then I'm really not, leading i'm going down a path i really don't want to go down because i i've made up some image i'm supposed to live up to you know the old imposter syndrome and then they find out after we get three quarters of the way in the desert that i really don't want to be there and they're like what <laughs> right that kind of thing right so that I, it's gotten me in trouble not answering that call and that's really that you know that we can have those kinds of conversations with ourselves and with our guests so that people can engage at, at, at a level and get inspired and, and, and open up new possibility for, for the kind of action that will order the world for them and, and they can take and release the beauty they're committed to in, in, their, in their circles and with their teams. So. That's great. I, I have so many things that I want to say about this conversation and about YouTube, but I, I'm gonna resist I'm going to leave it where, where, where you, where you guys so beautifully left it because I think the podcast will speak for itself. I think the conversations coming up will speak for itself. I wish everybody had the opportunity to be in the conversations that I get to be in with you too. And I'm so grateful to be here. I, I just, I, I wish people could be a fly on the wall for the conversation we had in thinking about bringing this podcast to the world because um, the intentions and the invitation and the desire and the heart that's behind it. This is not just another leadership podcast. We are going to talk about leadership and mostly in the context of corporate leadership, but this is different. I want people to stick with us because they will, they will quickly figure out that this is a different conversation, one that they've probably never had before. And listening to both of you talk about how there needs to be a space for leaders to go where they're understood, they're questioned, they're challenged, they're loved, all in one conversation is so important. So please stick around, come back for more. We're going to have some incredible high caliber guests. We're going to have some great conversations. We're going to challenge thinking 
Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about current events, things that are going on. Any, it's just going to be so good. Um, not to build it up too much, no pressure here. Um, but, but I, I feel like I'm just an audience member, so I can say all of these things. Uh, Dan and Adrian would never say these things, but, uh, we'll stumble our way in it. Yeah. 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 Uh, well let's, let's wrap this up gentlemen. I love both of you so much and I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, thanks for the conversation. Excited. Thank you, Chad. I always appreciate your diligence and thoughtfulness and I can't wait because I, you have, you're very thoughtful. You listen well, and you'll ask the tough questions. I, I, one of the things I love working with you about working with you. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah. All right, but bye-bye everybody. Ciao. Yeah. As I'm sure you can already tell, this is going to be one wild ride. Just from this first conversation, getting to know Dan and Adrian a little bit. We're so grateful to have you here. This is going to be an incredible journey. We have so many great guests and conversations planned. Next episode, we're going to talk about the meaning of the word leadership. How do we show up in leadership? We're going to do a deep, deep dive into, into that word, that term, and create a foundation for what we're talking about there. Please connect with us on LinkedIn. All three of us, me, Adrian, and Dan, are all on LinkedIn. We're very active there, and we would love to connect with you there. Plus, there's a lot more great content for you to consume there as well. If you like this podcast, if, if this episode has in this conversation has entertained you or helped you or supported you in any way, or you're excited, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a glowing review. This helps us get the podcast out there. We want to build a community around it. And it really, really helps us do that. So thank you for doing that. And uh, leave us a glowing review. Tell us what you liked about the conversation and the possibility of where this podcast can go. Thanks again for listening. And we'll continue the conversation next week. <laughs>